So, do you want to give our new intro a little spin? All right. <coughs> okay, that's not going in there. I'm just getting ready. <clears throat> you ready? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. I'm Kim. I'm Billy. We're best friends and we like talking about movies. And today we are talking about the first ever Nicholas Sparks film adaptation, 1997's Message in a Bottle. Isn't it 1999? Oh, Jesus. It's 100% 1999's. <laughs> I think I hated this movie so much <laughs> that it took two years, years off, off of the yeah. time-space continuum. Okay. All right. So welcome to day one of Kim and Billy Talk, Nicholas Sparks, and uh, Jesus, what a great start. I, I um... promised myself less cursing <laughs> for this series, and uh, I well, we're off to a, a freaking great start. Billy showed up at my apartment not 30 minutes ago, and I was impressed that he wasn't glaring at me. Instead, it was just sort of like this look of patience and forbearance, and all I could say was, I am so sorry. I forgot how bad this movie is. I guess I I need to make this clear, but we're, we're going off our agenda, but I texted you last night livid, so angry after having watched this movie. My the vibe I got from your responses was that you found this whole thing a little bit of a slog, a little bit boring. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I loved the middle hour and a half of this movie sincerely. What I had the best time watching this movie, <sighs> and then the end happened. Billy and I almost threw my TV out the window. No, okay, so you were blinded by the boats. I a hundred. A hundred percent. This is you can't this like is this movie. It is boring not a good movie on my frequency in the best way. <laughs> so, so shall we? Shall we set the stage? What yes. What happened when I sat down to watch Message in a Bottle? Well, you can speak to that, but I think you made your yourself a nice dinner and uh... yeah. So MJ is out of town, so I was going to be watching this one solo with mm-hmm. the dog. Uh, so so romantic. we. It was very romantic. We we made a nice coco vin. And the dog left two minutes into the movie. She was like, I, this is, I don't know what you're doing. This is not for me. But so sit down on my couch and uh, turn on Google Play. This movie is full price on Google Play. And it is advertising that it is 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's two hours and 11 minutes. <laughs> so like just getting started. I'm like, we are not. You're in for a rough We're ride. not. We're, I, I, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle of to keep my energy up. All your instincts are saying, run away. Yeah, like Danger, just, just call Robinson. Kim and say, <laughs> good work. The other thing is, I've, I've mentioned my wedding diet. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to stop like my calorie intake by a certain point in the night. And I realized that was going to be 40 minutes into the movie. Oh, my gosh. So Billy, you're adorable. I, I <laughs> made a plan that I had to get all the drinking in. In the first 40 minutes, <laughs> if this was going to be As two and a half. someone truly adhering to a diet, yes, you've right. got to get your drinking in. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I turn on this movie. The dogs abandoned me. The mm. cocoa van is cold. A little buzzed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the first 30 minutes go by where we're in Maine, I guess. She's in Maine, right? Just weird. They shot the whole movie in Maine, but yeah. she's in Maine. I think it was supposed to be Virginia, but then Virginia got really mad about the right. sex in the movie, and they were like, it can't happen here. No, those salacious Nicholas Sparks novels. We can't have that here. <laughs> so they moved to Maine. <laughs> so I'm watching the thir- first 30 minutes of this, and I'm like, ah, this is this is boring. This, this is a bit of a rough ride. Then we get down to the Outer Banks. 
except not really the Outer Banks. And we start meeting some boats, and we start meeting some Paul Newman, and people who have been hurt in the past start repairing their hearts and reconnecting with family, and it's not like it was the best movie I've ever seen. I think you experienced... But the magic was working for me. No, I think you experienced a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome, where you were having such a horrible evening, and you were watching a movie you didn't like, that when something showed up that you loved, aka Boats... Sure. Sure. You were like, I have found my new favorite movie. And that was your survival slash coping mechanism. I guess so. And so I'm watching this thing. And then there's this, this point. You texted me at the exact same point when you were watching it. There's yeah. a point. I started like an hour and a half after Billy. So we were a little bit in tandem, but not right. There's There's a point. Uh, I think it comes about 30 minutes before the movie ends where it feels like the most natural ending point in a movie ever. Mm-hmm. Like, Surely the credits are about to roll. And then I paused and saw there were 30 minutes left. And that's when the panic set in. (laughs) And then some things happened with this movie, and I was very angry. All right, well, we're going to get to that, but I think we should recap this movie for those who haven't watched it in the past 24 hours. So um, I am going to preface everything by just saying I have seen this movie once before. I think I saw it around the time that it came out. And clearly I deleted most of it from my brain. I knew I must not have liked it that much because, listeners, if I find a romance movie that I adore, I guarantee you I've seen it an unhealthy number of times. But this one I had not seen again. And so last night was my first time seeing it in probably close to 20 years, which is terrifying. Um, And, yeah, 30 minutes in, I just had this horrible feeling of oh god i'm stuck here for another hour and a half this is so boring and i hate this and here's the thing as someone who loves romance movies there's nothing that infuriates me more than a bad romance movie and i just wasn't having it do you think the romance part is bad or the movie part is bad all of it's bad there is like there's no chemistry between Kevin Costner and Robert Wright Penn. Like, these are all excellent actors, and there's just, like, nothing happening here. Okay, so I'm wondering if I should get my slightly uncomfortable joke out of the way right now, because it's not actually a joke. Uh, Okay. So, we're going to spoil Message in a Bottle. Yeah, obviously. That should be clear. We're going through the plot. We haven't started yet, but we will. And I I need to get this part of it just out of the way. Okay. Kevin Costner dies. In a bad way. Not even a bad way, in a ridiculous way. We'll get there. The going on in the corner of this movie, you have Paul Newman doing God's work. He's spectacular <laughs> in this movie. He and is the best part. He of this happens movie. to have pretty excellent chemistry with everyone he's on screen with. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Costner dies. <laughs> I'm sitting there on my couch, and then she's hugging Paul Newman on the beach as the credits start to roll, and I'm writing him. I'm like. Maybe she just ends up with Paul Newman. So, yes, he's like 40 years older than her. Again, Billy, I think this movie traumatized I you a was, little bit. I was so upset. Okay, go go back to the plot recap. I'll, I'll stop jumping around. Okay, so I will, again, preface this by saying I was so bored uh, watching this movie that I often had to stop myself from checking my phone. So I'm going to miss a few details. Oh, um, I'm going to fill them in. I got some some detailed notes here. So she's basically by herself now, and I guess she decides to take a mini vacation. She goes to what looks to be... uh, It's all Maine. Everywhere we're going to go in this movie (laughs) is Maine. But, like, it's a bed and breakfast. Yeah. 
and um, there is an older lady running the establishment. Who in the makes whole... a dick joke five minutes into the movie? I know. She tries to set up Robert Wright Penn, her name in the movie is Teresa, with like some rando dude who's also bed and breakfasting by himself. And I don't know why. He just kind of looked like a serial killer to me. I mean... This shouldn't be a gendered thing, but if you're a man alone at a bed, at and, a breakfast, bed and breakfast, at a bed and breakfast, yeah, something, I was just like, something no, not good. You're killing somebody <laughs> before exactly. the weekend's out. Yeah. <laughs> so Teresa says no because good instincts, girl, and then she's jogging <laughs> along the beach and she stumbles across a bottle. And in fact, there's something in that bottle. There's a, a message in the bottle. In a bottle. And so, dear Catherine, she, she takes it out, and it's this typewritten note on very specific stationery, and it's a letter to Catherine, and it's clear that Catherine is gone in some way, and the man—it's clearly a man because we hear Kevin Costner's voice reading the letter out loud. I think it's Robert Ray Penn's voice. Maybe I've, it's her for the first okay, two letters. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's just, however. If you might dare think for a second that it's not a man, her co-workers at the newspaper will spend the next 20 minutes of the movie being like, do you think it's a dreamy man? <laughs> yes, they make it very clear very quickly that this is a heteronormative <laughs> relationship. Yes. And so the dude writing the letter is very sad because Catherine is gone and he's apologizing for all the times he failed her as a partner. And he's just the crux of the letter is I am he, sorry I was angry when you left. <laughs> he should have done better. He should have fixed the door. <laughs> he has fixed the door now. <laughs> and then he says he loves her and he misses her. So Teresa brings this letter to uh, does she work at the Tribune? She works at the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she is a researcher for for a columnist. I mean, I, it's not entirely clear. She's working for Hagrid, and Hagrid is uh, displaying some lovely late 90s uh, office place harassment, including can, barking at people. Can I admit something really embarrassing? Go for it. <laughs> so the note that I made for myself as I was watching this um, was that, hey, it's the guy from Beethoven. I... I <laughs> what? I messed up Robbie Coltrane with Oliver Platt. From the Beethoven movies, the movies about the St. Bernard <laughs> But I also think that shows how long it had been since I had seen this movie. It was probably around the same time that I saw the Beethoven movies. And again, in my defense, then like how I know Robbie Coltrane is as Hagrid. And he looks very different. Anyway, I mean, I, I Robbie Coltrane is Robbie. Co I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, the rest <laughs> of the movie. I also couldn't tell if he's playing an American in this or no, he does it, have an accent because, okay. and I only bring this up because the rest of my notes are filled with like little uh, Beethoven guy accent and trying to figure out Beethoven oh, guy's no. accent. And it's not until towards the end where I go, oops, Beethoven yeah. guy is actually Hagrid. <laughs> I thought for a second, <laughs> I forgot that. Which is like a thing that shouldn't matter to anyone, but for me it was a... Uh, my I, world shifted. Of all the <laughs> things I would associate Oliver Platt with, Beethoven would have to be at the bottom. Well, clearly you didn't watch that movie a billion I times. I promise you, I have watched it up. as many times as you have. We will do the Beethoven <laughs> podcast. Oh my God, day. we should. I actually really like Beethoven's second. I think I loved it. Is that the one with the picnic and stuff outside? Yeah, they're at a like cottage and then Beethoven ends up preventing... Oh God, we got to the no-go no box so quick. Okay. Beethoven prevents a rape by destroying a cottage. Wait, what? Yeah. I'll send you the YouTube clip and we will delete this out of the podcast. So oh moving God. back on okay. with our uh, plot recap. 
Okay, so we are at the Chicago Tribune. I think by Danny Masterson, which is weird because Danny Masterson is. Oh my God, they're in a giant mansion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. And girl he's chained from, up. Like, um, the nanny. And he's chained up to the the dog is chained up to the yes. the like support and beam, he, like, and then he pulls, pulls it. it off. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow, that yeah. was buried in my brain. He's a great dog, that Beethoven. Great dog. Uh, no one from that movie in this movie, though. <laughs> so she takes the letter to her boss. Yes. And Hagrid is kind of bored by it at first, but then he barks at it. <laughs> this is the whole thing in the office as he walks around barking. So maybe that's also why I thought he was the Beethoven guy. Because okay, you know barking. what? I'm with you now. It triggered something in your brain about dogs, and there we go. Okay, so long story short, he prints the letter without Teresa's knowledge or permission, even though she can't really grant permission, which is why he kind of printed it. Spectacular flaunting of journalistic standards all across this movie. But (laughs) (laughs) And so Teresa's very upset when she sees the letter on the front page. She goes and she yells and then like she's very angry. And I only like hammer that point home because as soon as she's presented with all the fan mail that mm-hmm. this letter has garnished, she immediately changes her tune, and now it's the best thing that's ever hap- happened to her. And she's on this like adrenaline fueled scavenger hunt to figure out we who get it is. Five that minutes of like a hard boiled detective novel where she's interviewing uh, people who repair typewriters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she also has like this weird internet software program where it's just. Oh, it, we have some fantastic late 90s pseudo interneting going on i just like i hope it that program never actually you know what it looks it, a lot like what mission impossible one yeah yeah okay it's just it was so cheesy and fake looking i mean it made me laugh but it's also more complicated than any internet browser has also, ever been like at one point she was investing like she was like staring, she was holding the bottle up to light and going, there's an A on the bottom. I was like, why, why do you need to identify? Because it's an antique bottle. Oh, So she's okay. trying to track, she's trying to track both the, I feel like there were My cut bad. scenes there because the bottle makes it look like it's from the 1800s. But then she gets the analysis back on the cork and the cork is only two years old. So I think there was oh, yeah, yeah, some yeah. other scene. I think there's a lot cut out of this movie, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Because. Well, well, we'll get there. But anyways, she manages to very quickly track this man down Yeah, it, it's to his the home. stationary, for some reason, that is the uh, identifying marker. Yes. And so she does what any journalist, I guess, would do. Uh, she goes to this man's home. She convinces her boss to give her an all-expenses-paid trip to the Outer Banks, one of like, the most beautiful spots on the Eastern Seaboard, mm-hmm. uh, to go... I, it's not. It's so not clear to me what her journalistic goal is i think it's just to meet him and then to build a story out of it that's it right but what yeah she didn't have a thesis billy (laughs) (sighs) so she gets to this small town and enter paul newman first of all hi paul newman delighted to see you but then he delivers which i'm going to raise right now as like not only maybe the best slash worst line in the movie, but the worst line that Paul Newman has ever delivered in his entire Ooh, career. Okay, hit me. And I mean, like, I don't have all of his lines memorized, yeah, I, but this, this is interesting. This is pretty bad. It would not surprise me if the worst movie he's ever, or the worst line he's ever delivered comes yeah. from this movie. So Paul Newman is essentially awkwardly flirting with Teresa. He's saying he's too old for her, but clearly making his interest known, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, it's even weirder. It's like without her even having met Kevin Costner, he's trying to set her up with Kevin Costner. Yeah. 
Yeah, Kevin Costner is Paul Newman's son in yes. this filmatic world. Um, and so Teresa identifies herself as a journalist, a writer, as she's walking away. And then Paul Newman says, is it Playboy? Never bought the magazine. Always admired your covers, though. And I just went, oh, Paul Newman. I don't know. His delivery's so great. <laughs> Everything he says in this movie is truly incomprehensible and yet works so well. In fact, in that very same scene, he sends her down to the docks to go meet his son. Whose name is Garrett. Whose name is Garrett. And in fact, we'll later find out that Paul Newman's name is Dodge. (laughs) Which is wonderful. But he will describe his son as he never wears a hat. It's the only (laughs) description he gives. Makes no sense. Like, how can you know someone's temporal span of hat wearingness. Well, if everyone else is always wearing a hat, then the man with always no wore, hat would stand out. You would need to have years of data on... Well, maybe he does, Billy. No, no, no. But how is that going to help her? She's going to go down to the dock and be like, excuse me, how often do you wear that Maybe hat? she has to pass a bunch of men Were wearing you wearing hats? a hat yesterday? <laughs> it's not that helpful, but it sounds so great. It's it, folksy and homespun, and up until this point, I'm like, well, this movie's... Ooh, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. And then we get down to the docks. And Billy sees the boat and decides he loves this movie. So let's start talking here. Okay. Let's get real. If I could, I would spend every remaining day of my life dressed as Kevin Costner is in this first scene. (laughs) Blue Oxford cloth shirt, the chinos, the boat shoes, and he always has a mug of coffee. This is a bizarre (laughs) thing about this character. He always has a mug of coffee in every scene he's in. Mm -hmm. They will have a dinner later where he starts drinking red wine stops to drink coffee and then starts drinking red wine again. (laughs) That's a hangover, Garrett. Watch Uh, yourself. Oh, yeah. But everything about what's going on in this scene, he's just, he's he's there in his comfy clothes, he's drinking his coffee, he's working on his boat, and we're going to talk about the boat in a second, but Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, this is is lifestyle porn for me. This is everything I've ever (laughs) wanted from my life. And he's sitting beside the greatest character in the movie, which is the schooner Malabar. (laughs) It's a 40-footer, two masts. <laughs> Navy blue over sea green. This boat is fucking beautiful. And he's restoring so it. ridiculous. And honestly, she comes over and they're flirting. And yeah, sure, it might not be great flirting. No, but, it's terrible. But I'm like, well, I'll sit for six hours of this. Sure, this, this is great. You're just looking at the boat. You're not listening oh, to Oh, they're in a little thing. seaside town. People getting into fist fights. There's old family history. Fisticuff. I'm so on board for everything that happens. So you and I, I think, both had very, like, we caught our breaths when this scene started. You caught your breath because you're looking at the boat. I caught my breath because Malabar. I went... Sweet this lines. boat, this boat. Let's <laughs> talk about, saying that because that's the one thing Teresa says about the boat. She let's like, sure got some talk sweet about lines. this boat for a couple minutes. <laughs> oh, he okay. is restoring this boat for someone else. This mm-hmm. is not his boat. I think he says, does he say it dates back to the 30s or the 20s? I wasn't listening, Billy. Okay, we're talking about a boat that like in today's mm-hmm. money would be valued in the millions. Okay. He's watching it for someone else. He treats this thing like his own private uh shag pad he's just like taking ladies out and <laughs> he does invite her for a ride rather quickly on a boat that's not his uh, well and then later 
for well, more no, than a ride. We're, we're going we'll to get to that. There's much to do. Anyway, okay, I will put away my thoughts on the Malabar. So I was very excited at the start of this scene because even though I've been bored for the first like 20, 30 minutes of the movie, finally my romantic leads are meeting one another. I can forgive the shitty beginning if now I'm going to be treated to true romance. The dialogue was so awful. The di- like, Sound I like up north. I, <laughs> I don't understand it. So, I mean, I'm always going to be unfairly biased in Kevin Costner's favor because he was Robin Hood in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which is one of my favorite movies <laughs> of, of all, all time. the roles. I thought you were going to pull out. It's a great, you don't, do not get me wrong. Great movie. Like, really, is, really. It's one of those, like, love it's, that movie. There are things that are problematic about of that movie. All the things you would highlight in that movie, though. <laughs> Kevin Costner wouldn't be. Well, you have to understand, I watched that movie as a child and the adventure and uh, Robin Hood. And then he Hood is Robin Marianne, Hood to you. And 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 yeah, like, okay, I get, that's, fair. That's, that's fair. That's where that's coming from. Robert Wright Penn is just, she is astoundingly beautiful. I think she looks like a Greek goddess <laughs> okay. walking so, this planet. Oh, God. So I made a note, and then I said I wasn't going to make this note. I'm, I'm So... I, <laughs> <laughs> how, how far do I want to go into this? So I'm do doing like it. the whole self-compassion therapy thing, which is you're supposed to start by being compassionate to others. And like, if there are things you're self-conscious about yourself, you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. like shitting on other people. So, you know, the physical appearance of other men is not something I should be whatevering about. But <laughs> I had this note where I was like, is Robin, and okay, let, okay, Robin Wright Penn or Robin Wright? I mean, I know she's Robin Wright Penn at the time of this movie. Now she's a Robin Wright. What are we going to call her going forward? Oh gosh, I didn't even realize that. That's fine. Let's call her Robin Wright. Robin. Let's just Robin. call her Robin. Okay. Has there ever been an actor who has been saddled with men farther beneath? <laughs> so she's got Kevin Costner, she's got Bruce Willis, she's got Kevin Spacey. Like she should essentially be partnered with she's John Hamm, um, and that's it. Oh my gosh, uh, Princess Bride. What's his name? Carrie. Carrie Elwes. Carrie. I've never known how to Elwes say his last or name. something yeah. like that. Like all of these are objectively handsome chap. men, but Robin. Robin. You're, you're going to look me in the eyes. You're going to tell me Kevin Spacey is on the same level of physical attractiveness as Robin. Robin. No, ew, gross. Okay. I would n- nothing positive this about This is what Kevin I'm Spacey. saying. But none of these guys are even close. You're right. She's like, she is an otherworldly beauty. And it's, she's all like shy around Kevin Costner. I'm like, and, I don't, I don't believe it. But, well, that's that, there, you said it. That yeah. was the biggest problem. I never believed in their connection. I never believed in them as a couple. And so I, I'm lost for the entire movie because I don't actually, I'm not cheering for anything because I don't actually believe it. And so you watched a movie. I would have turned it off after that scene had I not known we were going to be recording an episode about it tomorrow. Today. You watched a movie about a man's relationship with a woman. I watched a movie about a man's relationship with his boat. <laughs> How he makes Yes, we watched two very different steak. movies. It's the best thing he does. God, I fucking hated that. Uh, the dialogue in this movie is so bad. That's his pickup line with Teresa. He's I like, make a perfect steak. It's the best thing I do. It's the best and thing I do. I'm like, first of all, girl, if that's the best thing the man does, walk away. <laughs> like, <laughs> he should be good at other things. If he's better at making steaks than he is at restoring that boat, I mean, you got a problem. Also, like, steak's not the hardest food to make. Exactly. You get it hot and then it's tasty. You, you know can make good do. steak yourself, right? right? Like, if you want, like, perfect steak, go to a restaurant. Like, I this make good should... steak means I'm, I'm willing to spend money on high-quality beef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, whatever, dude. 
Anyways, they are now established as a romantic couple, and the tension of the movie is that for some reason, Teresa decides to withhold the fact that she's actually there to investigate Garrett as the writer of this letter. So she just presents herself as someone who's interested in learning how to boat, I guess. I would have said learning to sail, but... Okay, Captain Billy. (laughs) Well, um, this is never my favorite plot thread in any movie but the whole i've ever seen you know it's yeah. the the it's what a trope. You, the, it she, is a trope. the she's all that kind of thing i i hate it it makes me stressed out watching it and then it's confusing because i'm like why isn't paul newman saying anything he knows she, ah. right so essentially um she has now decided to lie to him and um they make a date to uh meet up at the local diner and he's going to take her sailing, not boating, sailing. No, and no, he can take her boating. You just, you don't learn to boat. You learn to sail. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's neither. It's neither here nor there. You have to understand that last night, my, so the worst thing you can do is take career knowledge you have from outside of a movie and bring it into a movie, right? You ever watch mm-hmm. like a law show with a lawyer and they're like, mm, that's yeah. not how, it's the worst fucking thing. That's not how stories work. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, <laughs> as someone who likes boats, everything I hold dear was challenged a lot by last night. So if we're going to get through this today, you got to. It's okay. We're going to take deep breaths. We're going to hold each other's hands. It's going to be fine. Okay. So we're in the diner. Teresa has showed up for her date with Garrett. And right before she her shows up. Her 6.30 a.m. date. Her 6.30 a.m. date. Um. Garrett gets into a fist fight with someone in the diner. Turns out it is his, I can't say words. His brother-in-law. It, it's his brother-in-law. Catherine has the died. The wife, though, is deceased. Yeah. Yes. So it's his dead wife's brother, essentially, is what I was trying to say. And yeah. um, they there's clearly bad blood between them. And Teresa walks in while they're beating the shit out of each other. And I mean... It's a pretty brutal fight, actually. I was kind of surprised by this. Oh, so the fun fact here is um, it was supposed to be a fake punch that the brother-in-law throws at Kevin Costner, and he actually did hit, hit him. him. So the scene where Kevin Costner is, like, like touching his face and blood is being pulled away, like, that actually happened. And oh, uh, nice. they decided to keep it in the movie. It looks pretty good. Yeah, I... it's real. Um, but here's the thing. If you are a real-life woman who has agreed to go on a date with someone, regardless of the time of day, regardless of the activity, and, well, no, maybe not regardless of the activity. If you go on a fight with, like, an MMA boxer, like, maybe you shouldn't be too surprised. If you walk in to the neutral setting in which you're supposed to meet and the guy's beating the shit out of someone else, any other scenario, you immediately walk away. Why would you stay? Why would you be like, this is fine. This man is violent. (laughs) He's very sad. Just, he lost his Catherine. I just hate it so much, Billy. <laughs> we're we are going to have to aggressively fast forward. Yeah. If we're gonna get because we're only 40 minutes in. <laughs> so there's a lot of plot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. So frankly, this movie should start with her on the dock meeting the guy. Yeah. Like they, we don't need anything else. Long story short, he's in a fight with his uh deceased wife's family over some of her belongings and the nature how she died. Mm-hmm. It's not really that important. It's going to come back later, but it's not important. Right. However, she's now going to start dating this guy, despite the fact that he's he's kind of a sociopath. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. There is every red flag. He is bad at interacting with other humans. The only thing he is good at is steak. 
And he fights. He lives with his father who cuts his hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as we've established, she is Robin Wright. Yes. So it's a, it's a little, it's a little odd. Um, they have a very nice date at his house, though, that is not my favorite crafted scene I've ever watched in a movie. So here... <laughs> So I will say by the end of the scene, like I had a moment of hope because there was an actual genuine moment of real something very sweet happens. Yeah. But before that, it gets weird. Yeah. So he is sharing his deep, dark pain. About his dead wife and how he misses her. How he's kept her. her, She's a painter. He's kept her studio the same. Mm -hmm. And then on a dime, he kind of rolls over on the couch and like (laughs) kind of makes a move on her a little bit. Well, he, he starts, like, very gently, like, playing with uh, her hair, with yeah. Teresa's hair. And it, that moment was actually, like, I, I kind of sat up on the couch a little. I was like, oh, is this well, going to so, get good all of a sudden? I'll tell you what I liked. We're on that scene, and then you think, like, it's going to progress. And it just cuts to her asleep on the couch. No, so that's what infuriated me so much. Like, oh, I, I liked sat what up, happened after, No, I though. sat up in hope, and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to say some real things? Is the dialogue going to get real? And just they there was one piece of dialogue I really liked. Well, no, he's playing with the it? hair, Billy. Okay, do you want do you want the piece of dialogue I liked? Well, okay, go okay. for it. She's talking about her divorce, mm-hmm. and she does that thing people do, do, where she's like, "This thing happened to me, and it hurt." But like, and she says, "But this happens to everyone." He mm-hmm. says, "But it happened to you." Yes. Which is actually kind of sweet. That it's a was really a, that sweet I, sentiment of, you I know. did not. And I think that's what led to, because that happens right before he starts playing with her hair. And like this is where like my moment of hope came. And I went, this movie is going to get good. So let me describe what happens. Then I want to ask you what you no, wanted to happen. No, I need to happen. tell you how angry I was. What I wanted to have happen was just, I don't know, like, again, more real dialogue. And then, like, maybe their first real kiss, because that still hasn't happened at this point. But I thought instead, what happened instead was no, sweeter. No, Billy, wrong. Instead, what happens is he's playing with her hair, and then it cuts to her just passed out on the fucking couch. and Because they've downed two bottles of wine. It doesn't matter. Like, there was no, like, there, there was real momentum happening, and they just... Cut it off. (sighs) And also, like, why is she asleep on the couch? And he's, like, in the bed. He's not wearing a shirt. He's possibly naked. He's not wearing a shirt. It's very funny because he has has the sheets pulled up. You know the way, like, (laughs) women have sheets pulled up in movies? He's, like, covering his... His chest. Oh, you mean it's covering his chest, but his arms are out. Yes, 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 yes. But I, I like He's this. Covering his man boobs. Uh yes, that's exactly what I was trying not to yeah. say, and you nailed it. But so she gets up from the couch, and then she like comes to his bedroom, and she's like, "I just, I just want to be close to you." And they just kind of cuddle. It was very sweet. I liked it. Uh, I wanted. What did you want? I wanted to see what happened between the hair play. Like, that is such an intimate thing to do. Like, like what do you do after the that? hair play. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, there, like, something significant would have happened after that, and instead all we get is passed out on the couch. I'm just saying there was a missed opportunity here, and I was so angry about it, I, like, I... I I so think at that I'm, point I texted you and went, oh, my God, there's an hour and a half left. I'm so angry. <laughs> I am now suddenly in this moment so worried about the doors that are going to be opened by our Nicholas Sparks. Uh, uh, oof, I'm blushing. Okay. <laughs> as a man who has missed opportunities in the past, as we mm-hmm. all have, mm-hmm. I thought that this was incredibly sweet how it ended up. And it's the kind of thing you don't often see in a movie. Often you see opportunities taken successfully. 
Uh, there was something kind of real and playful about two people who are kind of awkward and kind of hurting. And yeah, they're close, but then it doesn't happen. But then something else happens and it's very sweet. I'm just going to say this is you so not how I predicted this was going to go. This opinions. is the last thing I would have ever imagined for this podcast. They are trying to build a traditional romance film here, and the traditional romance film. I needed the scene that came immediately after the hair play. Anyway, they have a great cuddle that either you find infuriating or you find adorable, and then they move on to kind of like dating for reals. Yeah. So she goes back home because she has a son and a job and he comes out to visit her. Well, but they they go on some more dates, right? She gets to know Paul Newman a little bit. They do take the boat out and they do hook up on the boat. Billy, I have to be very honest. Did you zone out for this part? Because you get the completion, (laughs) right? Like they... The completion. Jesus, I can't believe I said that. You get the uh, (laughs) opportunity. The opportunity is taken later on the boat. Which made, I was like, what kind of unprofessional boat restorer is this? I honestly think I was texting you I think you they're just butt naked on, the, on, the, on the, the deck of that boat under that blanket. I do like vaguely recall that. But okay. at that point I was lost. I was just not into it anymore. So she messes up his dead wife's gallery yep. studio by accident. Then so, goes home. So what she does is she moves something in the studio. And oh, there's such another good line coming for Paul Newman. Are we going to go back to Chicago? Where are we going to go? Let's go to Chicago because this recap, we got to fast forward, but there's still so much movie left. There's so much. This movie is so <laughs> long. I can save it for best lines. Okay. So making an asterisk. Okay. So she's in Chicago. Garrett comes up to visit. He. Oh, I hated this scene too. Okay, so um, she is with her son, and he shows up, and they're all having a family. I will have you know, dinner. Mm-hmm. I had that son's haircut, but worse in 1999. Okay, exactly. You mentioned earlier in this podcast re- recording, you know, like you're working on compassion for others, and it made me feel like such a dick because I chose to not mention aloud how much I made fun of this kid in my movie. <laughs> Kid's name is Jesse James. Which is a really cool name. Very cool. So he's got that going for him. Uh, But And like here, I'm not judging. As a 10-year-old, I was often mistaken for the youngest handsome brother. (laughs) So I mean, I am not on a high horse. I'm just saying. He looked very 1999. He looked very 1999. Mm -hmm. It's a man of his time. Yes. Okay. So he brings as a gift to his new lady's son a toy car. And the kid just proceeds to make very loud like toy car, like noises, and just the whole scene felt so fake and contrived. Yeah, Yeah, you're too old to be doing that. Okay. So let me tell you what I like about this scene. Mm -hmm. Kevin Costner is making an interstate booty call. Like, there's no mistake in what's going on here. In fact, he gets up there, and Robin Wright is like, you're sleeping on the pull-out couch because I got a son and I don't want to make things weird for him. And Kevin Costner, (laughs) the one good thing he manages to convey in this movie is this kind of pouty, like... (laughs) Well, I guess I can't complain about this. No, what he says is, but I've come so far. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that down because I was like, ugh. And then the next night they send the kid off to like a sleepover. And Kevin Costner is on her front porch being like, come on, get get in there. (laughs) Starts starts getting very weird. And then a scene happened that I was not expecting. And I think this was the scene that Virginia got mad about. I, because I did pay, like, at this point, I was paying attention again because I was mad about the dinner scene. 
So when I revisit movies from the 90s, they tend to be action thrillers uh, or sci-fi flicks. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I have watched a PG-13 late 90s sex scene. <laughs> and it's just when this started and I was watching it by myself, with I got so <laughs> deeply uncomfortable. It's like, it feels like there's wind blowing in the background, but they're inside. Why is there wind? What? And the music. It's oh, it was just, weird. It's all bad and awkward. You, you can just... <laughs> Feel your parents invisibly on the couch beside you watching this terrible well, scene with and you. And it's the kind of thing, Ugh. it's like, it's so tame. And there's nothing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so your parents could ostensibly have been beside you when you watched this movie for the first time. And yet somehow it would have made you feel more awkward than. Yeah. <laughs> the artifice of it. It's just like. Oh, it's, it's like, so. Because it's the kind of sex scene where they, they're like three feet away from each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just. Ugh, all of it's terrible. Uh, I wish I had used the Google Play uh, X-ray to look up what the song was. We're going to yeah. talk about the music later. Yeah. I actually yeah. really like the music in this movie, but... Well, the sex scene music is Sarah McLachlan. Okay, I, I don't thought know it was. Get I thought it was Sarah McLachlan. So, do you mind if I step on the music segment? Do it. Okay, so starting in 1997, there was this... Um, Series of compilation CDs they release every couple of years called Women in Songs. Oh did, my did God, your family yes. ever have it? Yeah. Lilith, what up? Exactly. So we're talking like, you know, it's like Melissa Etheridge, it's the Indigo mm -hmm. Girls. My dad had like all of them. They were road trip music. I love your and dad. No, it's did, my new goal not, to get him on this Do not podcast. get me wrong. These are fantastic CDs. You should you should track them down. They're really, really excellent. Billy, I had them all. No, no, I'm, I'm talking to the listeners. Dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> but... But it had been a while since I'd listened to that kind of music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, oof, it was it was it was a weird scene. Well, I because I was so uncomfortable with the sex scene, I immediately started thinking about all the other Sarah McLaughlin sex scenes that I've seen. And building a mystery Wait, came many, up. And, how many are there? Well, I just feel like her song was so like City of Angels, like oh, Meg Ryan, Nick Cage. Sure. Like, just there's yeah. a lot of like '90s movies. She's all like over that. Cities of Angels. Yeah. City of Angels. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, See, moving I just right think, along. like dogs that are about to be put down. <laughs> well, yeah, that's where the thought train obviously ends. And then I was like, also googling, where's Sarah McLaughlin these days? What's oh, she doing? She's fine. She's, she's totally she's still Sarah fine. McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, she's saving puppies. Exactly. Better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. To We're make about a long to get story twist short, number one. yes. So she brings him to. Um, no, I do want to talk about this. She brings Garrett to the Chicago Tribune, where Her everyone son brings him to the Chicago Tribune, right? Yeah. But all of the staff still manage to keep the secret that she's actually investigating him. Yeah. And they all know who he is, and which, <laughs> like, whatever. So. Fast forward, he's back at her place, and he's rummaging around looking for a lighter for a candle. And I only yeah. remember that detail because he opens a drawer, he's holding the candle, and the candle is fully in the shot when he finds the stories and the stationer and his letters, and he realizes what's been going on the whole time. Now, here's the thing where I had to kind of check out in the movie. You meet someone, you fall deeply in love, mm -hmm. you're with them for a couple of weeks, you travel to be with them. You're in their house and you find a letter you have written your ex-wife <laughs> in their drawer. You call the FBI and you get on the plane <laughs> that night. This is 100% where the story ends. There's so, just no. The note I made, again, because the candle was so prominently featured in that shot, I was like, 
burn it, Garrett. Burn it all. Burn the the letters. Burn the house. Like that's how the movie ends. In my, Absolutely. My rewriting you go of out it. the window. <laughs> And then you have the Arrested Development joke, and that, kids, is why you shouldn't, like, I don't know, steal a message in a bottle. (laughs) So he freaks out, predictably. Mm -hmm. But, twist, he only wrote Catherine two letters. And it turns out that Teresa has three. And the last one is from? Catherine. And so we get a little scene of Catherine throwing this bottle into the water that's supposed to take place three days before she dies. Okay, so here's the other thing. Made so, up like a supermodel. The thing that is like supposed to bring Teresa and Garrett back together is Teresa is crying and apologizing, going, I was so afraid of losing you, that's why I didn't tell you, but I just need you to know those three letters, they meant so much to me. And he's like, wait. Three letters. I only wrote I two. Only wrote two. <laughs> You're Kevin Costner. Better it's than not mine. very good. <laughs> Um, and then it turns out that the third letter written by Catherine is what brings him like the, the solace and the comfort that he needs to finally heal and start moving on. Yada, yada, yada. Here, here is the major plot hole, Billy. Okay. So Garrett only writes his letters after Catherine has died. Two is such a bizarre number, too. Well, like, like, <laughs> it doesn't, but it, like, it doesn't okay. even matter. He, he writes it, them after she's dead. What yeah. are the chances of Catherine writing a letter, like the exact same style, exact same typewriter, stationary, throws it in the same bottle out to sea, and for like there to be like no overlap between, like maybe that means that they really were soulmates because they did the exact same thing without he the other knowing. He sees her do but, it, right? Well, he sees her at the edge of the water. And like this is something that also isn't um, clear. Like she's fragile and like we don't yes, even know even exactly <laughs> why she died. It could I'm, been... I mean, because it's Nicholas Sparks, I took it to be cancer, mm-hmm. which maybe it's not. Either way, for someone who has 72 hours left to live. She looks great. I thought she was Nicole Kidman for a hot second. Yeah. Like at a certain angle, I was like, who is that? And I had to look her up. So but. this is this is interesting. I didn't have a problem with it. I assume so he has this stationery that he has designed himself and a typewriter that he has restored himself. So I was willing to go so far as they use the same stationery and typewriter. Yeah. And I what I guess I I thought he saw fully it was a message in a bottle that she threw out to sea and that's what prompted him to go do it like that's how he was that actually makes a lot of sense i will tell you i don't care enough about this movie to (laughs) even just fast forward to that scene again to verify but um sure let's accept that sure so he's angry he goes home and uh he lets out his anger by finishing his great boat Mm -hmm. he's a boat restorer but he has dreams of being a shipwright he wants to make his own wooden boats and he's been designing and building this thing called Catherine. Mm-hmm. Sailing vessel Catherine, I guess. Um, beautiful boat. In, in my opinion, <laughs> it's not quite as nice as Malabar. Uh, the shape isn't quite... But the fact that there's no paint on it, it's just like a clear coat or a light stain on the yeah. wood. Oh, it's beautiful. And anyway. his estranged brother-in-law helps him build it. So it's yep. not just a beautiful boat. Just shows up a... and they start working in silence <laughs> on what is a spectacularly complicated project and he just knows what to do. <laughs> But so I want to get to I want to I want to I want to just rush with yeah. the rest of this. So here's okay. what happens: he goes home to work on his boat. She talks with her friends, and then he sends her a letter. And he's like, "Oh, you brought her back to me, and I love you." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So she goes down to see him. He launches the boat. Your character arcs have completed. 
the movie is over and there's an exchange of dialogue between the two of them where he says, I don't want to lose you. And she says, then don't. Mm-hmm. So let's paraphrase this. He says, I love you and want to spend the rest of my life with you. And she says, I love you and want to spend the rest of my life with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, movie's done. End. D- roll the credits. Yep. Instead, she walks off out of frame. And at this point, I'm just thinking something something really wrong is going on here. And I pause and there's 30 minutes left. I'm like, this is bizarre. <laughs> this is fucking insane. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen because the movie is over definitively. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a cleaner ending to a movie. And at this point, I'm ready to shut the book and be happy and come in here and be like, this movie was great. I'm just. I love the boat. So what happens? He decides he's going to sail Catherine up to Chicago to meet her. Yes. So Garrett is driving the boat. He gets in a storm and just randomly, I guess, like six feet away from him, there's he another boat. He comes across a sailing boat that has capsized in a family. A mom, a dad, and a kid. Kid played by Hayden Pettitier. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Hmm, fun fact. They've gone in the water. So Garrett, being the hero that he is. So Garrett manages to rescue the father and the daughter. Mm-hmm. Which by itself would be miraculous. Yeah. Truly. If you could pull that off. It's very turbulent waters. Everything's just very dark and gray and stormy. And then decides he's going to go into the water to get the mother. And then that's all we see. We just see him taking a deep breath and then diving under. And then he's just like, it's the next scene. He's just dead. Like Teresa gets a phone call saying he's gone. We don't get clarity on what happened to the mother. Am I right about that? Oh, no, she's dead. But like we don't get an actual. No, they never say it, but she's yeah. 100% dead. Yeah. They're, they're very, very dead. So this this blew my mind. So I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm, and I'm thinking about what it's going to be like when he shows up in Chicago in a million dollar boat he's built with his hands named after his dead wife. Like if somebody does that and shows up, Am I going to be like, oh, sure, yes, you're clearly in the right spot to be with me. Mm-hmm. And then I see him coming up. to, the, And I, I wrote, do not go in the water before he goes in the water. Because, <laughs> again, you shouldn't take stuff from a career into a movie because that's not how stories work. But that's work. also yada, just yada, like yada. water safety He's 101. such a sober-minded, careful person that he has to know going into the water he's choosing to die. And it has nothing to do with anything. It's not thematically connected to the rest of the movie. It doesn't have anything to do with his character arc. It's just, it's like if at the end of Return of the Jedi, after the credits roll, it turns back on and Han Solo like stumbles off one of the bridges in the Ewok village and plummets to his death. (laughs) That's like, it just, it made no fucking sense. So I will say this in defense of the movie. I honestly think that Garrett just felt morally obliged to go in after the mother i don't think he was committing suicide in any way shape or form like the look on kevin costner's face was just of determination and take a life jacket man (laughs) he's wearing wearing a very heavy sweater okay so garrett is dead yep none of us were expecting it least of all Teresa, and the final scene is basically her giving her reaction to all of this, which can I guess be summed up as she cries on the beach and then it's over. Well, there's like there's barely a reaction. There's like no, she has her little voiceover. She's like, I am so sad, but I, I was connected to Garrett, and that's a good thing. The end. I think the rage was kind of shutting out 
my ears at that point. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember her hugging Paul Newman on the beach. Mm-hmm. And then me having no one in my that. apartment to talk to <laughs> about how upset I was. <laughs> this is one of the wilder last 30 minutes of a movie I've ever seen. It, it made no sense. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like watching that final scene, I was just so disgruntled because the romance story had failed for me entirely. And then they just threw in this what I thought was a ridiculous plot twist. And Mm -hmm. it broke the tone of the rest of the movie that I thought was bad to begin with anyways. And it just didn't break it any better. It just made it worse. Like, look, there are a couple of things that don't add up. But he dies in the last three minutes saving this lady. And his ex-wife, his his deceased wife's family uh, blames him for her death. Most basic screenwriting fix ever. He took her out on a boat he built and it capsized and she died and he survived. That makes sense why the family's angry and it makes sense why he feels he has to go into the water to get the lady in the last 30 minutes. I I fixed your fucking movie. It's still not good, but it makes (laughs) more sense. Right now, it's completely disconnected. Your movie ends with 30 minutes left and then you have this bizarre epilogue where he dies. A completely pointless death. Made me furious. Like the whole point of it is. I could knock on. It ruined my sleep. (laughs) I'm so sorry it did that. But this is the thing that Nicholas Sparks movies are going to keep trying to do to you, Bill. And you have to brace yourself. They want to make you cry. But this. (laughs) And they will go to extreme means to produce tears and its viewers. And you know what? That is why a lot of people come to these movies for that catharsis. And that's a like for the people that need that release, that catharsis, Nicholas Sparks, you're doing a great job. But do you think anybody actually was sad about this? Yeah. Like people okay. like this movie. I don't know who they are. I don't know what the exact demographics are or metrics or how many people are watching Message in a Bottle on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. there is an established, very strong Nicholas Sparks film fan base and i guarantee you there are some people in the world this is their favorite movie who they went back after seeing like the notebook and caught up with this i don't know i just know that somewhere in the world there is a six-year-old woman who's had a bad day and her she's gonna turn on message in a bottle she's gonna pour herself a glass of wine she's gonna watch message in a bottle and she's gonna cry at the end and it's gonna be the thing that heals her and for that you know what, lady? I'm glad you found your thing. Okay. <laughs> Ex- excellent. I'm glad I'm glad someone's deriving pleasure from it. Because <laughs> we sure didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So on that note, let's try to focus on some of the positive things about this movie. Let's move into some of our recurring questions. Um, if you listened to our last episode, you, you basically listened to us brainstorm what those questions were there. We're going to go through them all. We've just kind of, uh, well, I've, I've rejected the order of them a little bit. Um, first question, Billy, mm-hmm. what's your favorite line out of this movie? I think I mentioned most of them. I'm going to add one. Okay, go for it. They're uh, Paul Newman, Kevin Costner, Robin Wright. They're sitting around eating dinner. And uh, I can't remember what they're talking about, but it's something that is upsetting Kevin Costner. And he says to Paul Newman, uh, let's change the subject. And Paul Newman says, the subject was change. (laughs) It's good. It's good. You got me. 
All right. I have I have two lines that I would like to nominate. The first one is after uh, Garrett has had his huge fight in the diner mm-hmm. uh, and Teresa still shows up for their date. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, girl, run away. And then she says, and I was so happy she said this. Uh, she says to Garrett, uh, what if you get mad? It's a small boat, <laughs> implying you are maybe kind of a crazy person. Yeah, you I could murder me. And he replies, completely serious face. He's not deadpanning. This is very serious and sincere. I don't like fighting, Teresa. Bowling, either. What? That just... What? It's... uh, That whole scene made me uncomfortable. It's really bad. Here, this is is the line I wanted to specifically bring up because I flagged it as potentially our new sign-off line. Ooh, okay. Exciting. Yep. Because I think it speaks to some of your special interests, a.k.a. boats. Boats. All right. Hit me. (laughs) Garrett says to her, will you sail with me tonight? That's it. In the movie, he delivers it, and it's super awkward, and it made me mad. Will you sail with me tonight? Exactly. He says it like that. He's like, will you sail with me tonight? And then she just, like, smiles, whatever. But um, anyway, that's that's it. Consider it. Yeah. Not not a lot of great lines. There's slim in this film. All right, all right. Never wears a hat. No. Oh, the other one is, and I'm hesitant to say it, but it's only because of Paul Newman's delivery. Like, if I was 150 years younger, you'd be in trouble. Ugh. Didn't work for you? Oh. Worked for me. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, So our next question, I think we've already kind of talked about this, but like the popular music of the time, like what did we recognize? Sarah McLaughlin is the big standout for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Nope. I mentioned what was in the trailer oh, right. last time. The trailer music is actually what is far more interesting to me. And it was torn. Is By that Natalie correct? and Brugley. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great. We should put that in our show notes. We will mm-hmm. put that in our show notes. Oh, yeah. Everyone, listen to it. Be taken aback and just let the true catharsis happen. That's yep. a song that great will make song. you cry. Not great the ending of song. this movie. Uh, so the distinguished older actor who deserves better is... Unquestionably Paul Newman. Yeah. Yes. There's no competition for it. Just, I want to know why he was in this movie. It's a, it's a weird one. Like, he so successfully transitioned from kind of young heartthrob to cool older guy mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, like when we talked about Tom Cruise, right? We talked about how he's clinging so fiercely <laughs> to young heartthrob. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Paul Newman's just the best. I don't he know. Is. He, he is. was great in this. It's hard to say he deserved better because he was kind of he was great in this. I'm going to quote Roger Ebert and say he steals every scene that he's in. He's uh-huh. he is the best part of this movie. Oh, Aside yeah. from like just like looking at Robin Wright and going, "Man, she's pretty." But he does do that a lot. Yeah. That's the main function of <laughs> Well, no, character. I was talking about myself looking at Robin oh, Wright and being just oh. struck by how Fair enough. like literally perfect her physical appearance <laughs> is. But anyway, that's weird. Uh, our next question is about the death. Okay, we, so we have two. So we have two deaths. And here's the thing: when we were brainstorming this last week, we kind of on the fly came up with labels for each death. The labels being meaningful, bizarre, superfluous, hilarious. I would like to say we can stick with these. That's mm-hmm. fine. But, but everything's n- in flux. But now that you've seen this, I guess like I think we get to apply the label that is appropriate. So if it's not here, if you have a new word that okay. you want to apply to it, go for it. It's like tagging things on a blog. Yeah. If you need, okay. So let's talk about Catherine's death. I think for the most part for me it's confusing because okay. we know it happens, but we don't know why exactly she died. 
like your assumption of cancer is not wrong for the Nicholas Sparks film universe, but whenever it's actually brought up in the movie, all that's specifically said is that she's fragile. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, the scene where she is caught by Garrett throwing her message in a bottle, I like, and then she like dies the next day, essentially, or the day after that. Yeah. I thought, did she die because she was a woman who was mentally ill? That, and she so was I had the same thing. Like, was it mental illness and 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 it was self harm or something? Um, yeah, or she just caught a cold doing it. I don't know. Like, like this is a movie written by someone who is willing to write off a woman's experience in very broad strokes. Like, ladies get hysterical and then they die. So up until that point, I was willing to begrudgingly give this one meaningful because it happened before the story began, so it's not really there for shock value. At least they're trying to engage with it in terms of what it means for these three characters going forward. But for me, it's just getting bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, I'm That's, giving it the bizarre tag bizarre. after everything that happened. Death number two. So I think the word that I will, that I'm dwelling on right now for Garrett's death is infuriating. Mm, that's a great one. And that's only because, the you're right, Billy, the movie should have ended 30 minutes before it actually did. And to throw in this entire new plot point and then to just destroy all of the work that the movie had done, which was like to bring these two new mm-hmm. characters together, I wanted to flip a table. Mm-hmm. I was mad. My time mm-hmm. was wasted. I was so angry. I started watching TV to try and be less angry. I was like, <laughs> you know when you watch a really bad movie, you're like, I can't go to bed on this note. I need yeah. like a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. I started watching Justified. And you know that thing <laughs> where... Show. Fantastic show. But you know that thing where you watch shows from like five to 10 years ago and you see stars who are huge now mm-hmm. doing guest stuff. And they had Chadwick Boseman in this incredibly <laughs> thankless role. I'm just like, you sons of bitches had Chadwick Boseman and you <laughs> wasted him. It's just stayed angry. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, oh, you had a rough night. I had a rough night. So I think infuriating is absolutely the way to go. So we got, we got to log this somewhere. So we're going to put a new category in there. So Catherine, we're given, did we say bizarre slash? I think just bizarre. Okay. Bizarre words. uh, Maybe sexist. Maybe sexist is the other (laughs) word, but we, we don't know for sure. So, um, and I think Garrett's death ties into the plot twist, which is. Yeah, I thought at first the plot twist we we would it was that the third letter was by Catherine, but you're right. The plot twist is definitely that Garrett dies. Garrett bites it. And so the question is, uh, what did you think of the plot twist? And I think Didn't our like answer it. is both. We had negative reactions yep. to it. Bad. Um so our other recurring question is Billy's boat corner, but I'm too Billy, angry now. Billy, I got my thoughts out about Malabar. It's yeah, fine. we'll I, move on. I think you've already established we'll your corner. On. Yep. <laughs> okay, we're so, never gonna make it to the end of the movie without, or at the end of the podcast without me having already talked about the boat corner. Yeah, exactly. We'll just so, keep it there as a reminder, though, just in, in case. case there's a random in case there's film, a, like in a landlocked state. Oh, there are movies coming up, and then the challenge will be they for don't you have to boats? find the boat. They all have boats. I looked at the trailers. I'm pretty I think sure they all have boats. there's one about a rodeo. Why would a boat be in a rodeo one? Oh, maybe there's boats. It'll be spot the boat. At this point, I'm really only here for the boats. <laughs> okay. okay, so 
This next question will become mm, more be interesting hard to answer. over time. But what we're going to do is we're going to rank all of the movies that we're watching. So this is the first film we're ranking, but there are going to be two categories. Is it a good Nicholas Sparks film or is it a bad Nicholas Sparks film? And then within each of those categories, we'll rank them. I'm putting this one in the bad Nicholas Sparks film category. Hmm, let me think about it, Kim. Uh, yes, I'm going to put this in the bad category. And because it's the first one we're doing, it currently sits at... Number one. Number one bad. And I will say, uh, tied into this consideration of a ranking, which I realize we've both made very quickly, but for me to put a movie into the good Nicholas Sparks film category, mm-hmm. it also has to be a good romance film. And we'll talk about that more when we get there. Okay. But um, the reason why this movie is in the not good Nicholas Sparks film category for me is it's just, it's not a good romance film. So can you identify what was missing or is like the whole thing just... There uh, was no chemistry kay. between Robin and Kevin. Fair. The good. dialogue was awful and it just boils down to I never believed it. I never believed their story. It was slow. It was boring. And then the ending was just Okay. I agree with stupid. all about of all that. What about Kevin's chemistry with Malabar? <laughs> Billy, I think... How far can I push this joke? Okay, no, I'm with you. Uh, Are we inventing a new category? I'm with you, no. (laughs) Men and their fixations on boats, no. Uh, I'm with you, and I I think uh, diagnosing it as a problem of chemistry and screenplay is uh, totally, totally what it is. Okay, and now our last question. Mm -hmm. I have to say, it was only when I listened to the playback of our recording of the last episode that I realized I had misunderstood you I mean, that never happens where I misunderstand. Never once happened. (laughs) Um, You were saying that you wanted, what I thought you were saying is that you wanted to guess the plot of the next movie. No, I just want to know what the, because this came up with the choice, and I think I've now figured out what the choice is, and I'm upset about it. You wanted to guess specifically what the title is referring to, the moment that inspires the title in each movie moving forward. And I was like, when I thought you were trying to guess the plot, I was like, but you've seen the trailers. That's cheating. Now, I really just want to guess if I have the choice right. Do you want to do that right now? Is it whether or not to take her off life support because she gets in a car accident? Yes, but no! that's the choice. <laughs> I so, oh, that we have to end with that movie. I mean. Oh, this is not, this, oh. I will say. I thought this was going to be a more exciting start. For whatever it's worth, I watched The Choice twice. I think just to like work out my feelings about it, but I've seen it more than once. We'll we'll get there and it'll be great. But next week, I think the walk to remember is the walk down the aisle when they get married. Because I remember they get married. I think you're right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What a great question. (laughs) The first uh, four of these, uh, I think I can, I I know what the Knights and Rodanthe are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the nights they spend there. And the notebook. It's a notebook. Yeah, I don't know. You know what the notebook yeah. is. Okay. So it's more it's honestly this question isn't gonna be interesting until the later ones where they just have completely vague titles that yeah. Like yeah. Dear John. I know what a Dear John is. That's I don't think it's that in the context of this film. Dear Okay. Maybe we have different understandings of what Dear John means. Break of letter, a lady sends to a soldier on active duty. Well, you know more about Dear Jones yeah. than I do. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> on that very enlightening note, 
Um, do you that, want me to do the thank yous while you prep our sign off? Okay. Or do you have it? Well, do we, we don't even have a sign off yet. Well, you were excited about the. Are we going with that as our sign I think, off? I think we have to. So, okay. Um, thank you for listening and sticking with us through uh, the very first Nicholas Sparks movies uh, movie. It only goes up from here, I think. I mean, <laughs> it goes in like a sine wave from here, but yeah. for the next, it's going to go up from here. Um, so, if you're listening to us, please follow us on Twitter at Kimmy Billy Talk. Huge thank you to Aaron Kossar for our fantastic redesigned art. It looks amazing. We love it. We will be back next week with uh, the very first Kim and Billy catch-up. And then the week after that, we'll be talking a walk to remember. Until then. Billy, will you sail with me tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You look so unamused. I am unamused. Okay. <laughs> Definitively not like a... Like a it's DJ got knobs, pad, it's got buttons. It does have the one little slider that I yeah, always want to like, exactly. you know, yeah. Make the noise. It's just all it does is makes it quiet. <laughs> yeah. That's not funny. None of that no, was funny. it was not. <laughs> we're, we're reaching for extra content now. <laughs> we're hacks. Okay. Um, okay, but we are recording. <laughs>